Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. So there are few things as widely agreed upon in the worlds of popular psychology and spirituality than the positive benefits of gratitude. Practicing gratitude, it strengthens our connection with other people. It, it reinforces generous behavior. It makes us feel more secure. It, it, it quiets negativity and can even help with depression. You can literally rewire your brain through the consistent practice of gratitude. It activates specific portions of your medial prefrontal cortex. Don't ask me what that is, but I read it. It releases important neurochemicals like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. Not only can gratitude make you feel better, it can change you. So in just a, a few days when you're sitting around a Thanksgiving table telling the people close to you things that you're grateful for, I want you to be primed and ready to take advantage of all of the benefits of gratitude. However, to truly experience all of these benefits, we all might need to uh, level up our gratitude practices a little bit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're gonna talk about leveling up our gratitude, taking it from a simple list of things we're grateful for to a movement, something that's powerful and could set the world on fire. But first, a story from Luke 17, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, this might be better. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, 10 lepers approached him. Now it's worth a mention, we'll step outside the story for a second, it's worth a mention that, that leprosy in a biblical context, slightly different than what we think of as modern day leprosy. At the time, this term was used to describe a various number of skin diseases that were unsightly, often thought to be highly contagious, so much so that at the time of Jesus, if you were thought to have had leprosy, you'd likely have been forced to live outside of the village, live away from other people. In fact, there are several accounts from the time period that tell us that lepers were often forced to carry a bell with them so that any time they came into contact with a healthy person, they would ring the bell and shout, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. A, a horribly uncomfortable and unsightly skin disease made so much worse by social isolation and shame to the point that many just assumed lepers were cursed by God. So we go back. We read the beginning of our story again. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through a region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 
Right, they're keeping their distance and they cry out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Their life feels so cursed that they don't ask for food. They don't ask for medical attention or bandages or spare change. All they ask for is mercy. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now, to the common reader, that might not seem like a very helpful response from Jesus, right? In fact, if you didn't know some of the backstory, that might even seem like a dismissive response from Jesus, right? Yikes, y'all are gross. That's above my pay grade. Go show yourself to the priest. He'll know what to do. But that's not it. That's not it at all. You see, part of the Jewish laws of purification is that if you've been healed from a skin disease like this, you've got to go show yourself to the priest to confirm the healing. Jesus saying, go show yourself to the priest, isn't Jesus refusing to engage their problems. It's him saying, today's the day you've been dreaming about. Right? Today's the day you get to go back to your family. Today's the day you can go show yourself to the priest. And so we keep reading. And when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. So apparently they took Jesus' words and and they turned, they left. They went to go show themselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. No more ringing bells, no more announcing their unclean presence as they went they were made clean now check this out with me the greek word used here is iaomai it's a lot of vowels iaomai right and, and and it's translated here as made clean because it's connected to leprosy but in almost every other case it simply means to be healed to be healed of a sickness or an injury. And as they went, they were made clean. They were iaomai. We keep reading. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, same word as before, iaomai, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, right? He bowed down at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not 10 made clean, Iaomai? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. 10 are healed, one returns. And to the one who returns to give thanks, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And check this out. In this final instance, the word made you well is not iaomai. It's something completely different. It's sozo, something that holds deep spiritual connotations. It's often translated as saved, rescued, or my favorite, made whole. Ten of them are healed, but one of them is made whole. 
They all experience iaomai, but only one experiences sozo. And the key to his sozo, his newly found wholeness, is it's, it's his returning to give thanks. He turned back and he gave thanks. The power of gratitude. It's nothing new. It's been helping people become whole for thousands of years. So why don't we turn back to our initial conversation? Just like in our story, 10 out of 10 people have experienced some form of goodness in their life. And so 10 out of 10 people have something they could be grateful for. So what's the deal with the other nine? Right? What's the deal with the lack of gratitude? How, why, how might we level up our gratitude and in doing so experience some of that wholeness? I'm going to throw out some ideas and we'll see what sticks. To start with, I've been around enough people, you all have been around enough people to know that there may have been one or two of the ten who are simply grumps, curmudgeons, ungrateful folk. And I know it's not fun to think about or talk about. It might even seem judgmental for me to bring it up, but it's real. It's real. And I happen to believe that naming, that there are just ungrateful people in the world can help the rest of us be a little less surprised when one of them shows up at our party, right? Or finds their way into our inbox, if you know what I'm saying truth bomb for you as you go about your week, wrapping things up at work, preparing to spend the holidays with family, making your fourth trip to the grocery store for that thing that you keep forgetting that you need, you will certainly bump into several kind and grateful people. I guarantee it. And you're likely to bump into the occasional mean and ungrateful person as well. It's just part of it. I'm not saying that they're a lost cause, that they'll never be made whole. All I'm saying is that 10 out of 10 people can experience the exact same great thing, and we shouldn't be surprised when a couple of them can't recognize the goodness that's all around them. So 10 out of 10 people experience some form of goodness. One of the 10, let's say, is already a gratitude guru. And then one out of 10 maybe isn't a place isn't in a place to recognize the goodness that they've just received. So what about the rest? Let's say most often you and I, we find ourselves in the 80%. How might we take steps towards true gratitude and in doing so, wholeness? In beginner mode, the first step that we can all be working on is simply recognizing goodness in our life. Right? The world can feel like a dark enough place, a hard enough place all on its own. Your beginner step towards gratitude is not denying evil or injustice, but simply working to recognize the goodness that's present as well. You might recognize this step from gratitude journals our high school youth groups closing circle, right? or that moment at Thanksgiving when you're around the table naming things that you're grateful for, all helpful practices in recognizing 
goodness that's all around us. That's not where gratitude ends. We can take this further. So how about we try novice mode? To do so, I think we need to talk about what gratitude is and what it isn't. And so bear with me, here's a technical definition. Gratitude is the primary response to the recognition that one has received gifts or benefits from another. Here's another way to word it. Gratitude is an affirmation of goodness, beginner mode, that necessitates the recognition that the good was received from a source outside of oneself. I know it's only 10 a.m. on a Sunday, but you're with me? Follow? If you stop at simply affirming the goodness of the thing you received or experienced, you're technically just voicing happiness. Gratitude is when you affirm the goodness of the thing you've received or experienced while recognizing that it came from a source beyond yourself. Happiness is aimed at the benefit. Gratitude is aimed at the benefactor. And I can't tell you how important this little nuance is if you're seeking wholeness. Still a little too abstract? Let me play this out for you, all right? Let's say I have a gratitude journal in front of me or I'm sitting around a Thanksgiving table and asked to share something that I'm thankful for. And let's say my response is, I am thankful for golf. All right, work with me on this. Nine times out of 10, the first example that comes to my mind is golf. So I say, I'm thankful for golf. Is that a beginner move? Or am I in novice mode? Is that true gratitude or simply a statement of my happiness? The easiest way to determine which one it is is to ask yourself, is there a source mentioned? I'm thankful for golf. There's no source. Right? There's no identified benefactor. It's not really gratitude, is it? It's simply me saying, I like golf. Golf makes me happy. This distinction, it's important. It's important because one of gratitude's most powerful effects on us is that it helps us step outside of ourselves. Right? It helps us remove ourselves from our naturally egocentric existence. And while starting our day, writing a list of three things that we like or th- three things that make us happy, it, it might be beneficial. Right? It might trigger the power of positive thinking, but it isn't gratitude unless we recognize the source. Now, I know I'm messing with things a little bit right now, but I think it's important. Happiness is aimed at the benefit. Gratitude is directed at the benefactor. And so let's stay super practical for a second, right? If I am thankful for golf is a a beginner mode, what might a novice mode line about golf be? I might say something like, 
I'm grateful for my wife who encourages me to enjoy things that are life-giving, such as golf. I might say, I'm grateful that God has given me the health and strength to enjoy activities such as golf. Or I might say, I'm grateful for Brad and Kevin and Chris for golfing with me on Thursday nights. Do you see how adding the source of the good thing changes it? You see how the entire thing becomes about the giver, not the gift or the recipient. It becomes about the source outside of yourself, not just simply your enjoyment of a thing. And did you notice in that moment, it made things a little more vulnerable too, right? A little more exposed. We'll get to that in the next level. So recap of the first two levels of gratitude. Beginner mode, and thanks for playing with me on this one. Beginner mode is recognizing the goodness that's all around us. We can all be doing that. Novice mode, recognize the source of the goodness that's all around us. And honestly, if that's all we took from this morning, it'd be great, it's totally fine sitting around a Thanksgiving table and adding a statement of gratitude that recognizes the source is likely to already elevate the conversation. And yet there's still one more step. Once you've practiced enough in beginner mode, once we've gotten really efficient at recognizing goodness and then naming the source of that goodness, we might be ready for advanced player mode. It can be scary, Like we said, it can be a little bit more vulnerable. And so we ease into it. And for this, we return back to our story. So there's another concrete thing our one leper did to transform his healing into wholeness. And so we read, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. Right? Then one turned back. He turned back. He saw that he had been healed, beginner mode. He recognized the source of his healing, novice mode, and he turned back. For gratitude to build, for it to be cultivated, for it to gain its maximum power in and among us, it has to be brought to life through our words, through our actions. We have to turn back, stop what we're doing, and in a loud voice, speak our gratitude to the source. Speaking gratitude in front of the source, it's a vulnerable advance player mode, but it's, it's the thing that unleashes the power of gratitude and shares its many benefits with those that are in our life. And so friends, if you want to transform your Thanksgiving week, if you want to give your marriage or any relationship for that matter a little extra spark, if you want to experience the life-changing maybe even brain-altering, wholeness-making benefits of gratitude. We begin by just recognizing the many good things that are around us. Then 
we move towards recognizing the source of those good things that bring joy to our life. And then finally, we bring our gratitude to life by letting the source know. And wink, wink, nudge, nudge, there's actually one more step we can take, right? To, to, to level up and tap into an even greater power. If you want to experience the, the type of wholeness, the type of sozo that we read about today, we've got to practice recognizing the ultimate source in our life. Recognizing the way that God interacts with us throughout our day. This step, it can take us far beyond advanced player mode. The analogy's getting old, I know. It can take us far beyond the game itself an integrated faith that's in tune with and recognizes the the presence of a good God, of the source of life itself, it will produce a a kind of wholeness, a a level of rootedness that, that can change everything. And so in a loud voice or with actions louder than words, seek out the many sources of goodness in your life and let them know that you're grateful for them. Speak a prayer. Speak a prayer to God, the ultimate source of every good and perfect gift. And in that moment, we give thanks. Like the psalmist and the many who have found healing and wholeness before us, we give thanks. So I leave you with, a, with Psalm 100 as we transition into our week. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. And so enter, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and call upon his name. For the Lord is good, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen.